welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Alan Collins. I'm the partner who heads up the abuse team here at Who James, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Danielle Vincent and Felina Grobner. Hi, both to you. Hi, Alan. And we're going to be talking about sensitive issues. And so, listeners, you know, this is a trigger warning. We have to point out to you that you may find what we're going to talk about upsetting, disturbing. You know, you might want to carry on listening to the podcast or you might think, no, I'm going to turn the podcast off. So what we're going to be talking about in this podcast is a recent case in the US concerning the music artist R. Kelly, as he's described. And I think he was known as the Pied Piper of R&B. And he's recently been convicted of very serious matters. And that is what we are going to be talking about today, because he is, for want of a better term, an interesting character. One of a series over recent years has been able to exploit his position of power, so to speak, in order to sexually abuse young people and children. And again, it's um, somewhat topical because these sorts of cases seem to be in and out of the news at the moment on a very regular basis. So by way of a little bit of background, Kelly's 54 years of age, broke into the music scene as a teenager and is reported to have made millions for his music career, selling over 75 million records and winning three Grammy Awards. And as I said earlier, he was known as the Pied Piper of R&B. That is the sort of backdrop to this character. So I'm going to turn to Danielle now and tell me, and to tell us rather, how Kelly has brought the justice, given who he is and his history. So Danielle, perhaps you'd like to put us in the picture as to how the criminal case that has resulted in Kelly being convicted came about. Okay, um, well, it's quite a history, so our podcast listeners are going to have a, a detailed account. But basically, allegations went back to sort of 94, 96, when he was accused of having sexual intercourse with a 15-year-old at the time. So that was the first sort of allegations against him. And then nothing really came of that at the time. And then later in 2001, he was sued by his intern again for allegations that she was used as his personal sex doll. In very early 2000, there was a sex tape that was leaked, perpetrating to be him performing a sexual act with a minor. Now, this was widely copied and was talked about in the media. It was talked about by presenters. And sadly, it just seems that it wasn't taken very seriously at the time. This is the start of a long history of allegations in 2002, there was two further court cases, one for impregnating a minor and two of videotaping another without consent. Now, all of these 
allegations are documented in the documentary called Surviving R. Kelly, which came out in 2019. And what happened after that was a number of other women came forward that had been, what alleged to have been abused by R. Kelly. So the gaps are then filled in with more and more accounts over these years, effectively 30 years of him abusing very, very young women starting off when he was a teenager and going to areas, you know, where girls and boys would frequent after school, sort of McDonald's and things like that, and getting his staff to ask girls to join him at his apartment or when he was filming musical videos. They would join him and especially he used his position, you know, he became a very, very famous and influential music star of having young female singers who wanted to effectively make it, join him on his tour bus. And then they, they would never return home effectively. So parents were accusing R. Kelly of effectively kidnapping their children. So how did he get away with it for so long? You know, there's all these allegations, court cases, and so much clearly being known about what he was getting up to. Why was it that it's taken until 2021 for him to be successfully prosecuted? I think there's a number of reasons. One being that it was in different states. So it's not as straightforward as here in England and Wales. It's that there are different court cases being held. And even now, he, he's currently just being prosecuted in New York. But there are other cases pending because they were waiting for this case to proceed. And again, like many of our survivors that come forward, it was only when this documentary came out that, that people realised they had either suffered similar abuse by him or that they had children that were in a similar position. A lot of these parents thought that their child was the only child that was mm. abused by R. Kelly, effectively. You know, the documentary is incredibly eye-opening because you have people saying that they were paid six-figure salaries not to testify, you know. So there was also potential of coercion and control and bribing witnesses here. Danielle, do you think it would be fair to say that without the documentary and these people see putting the effort into piece this story and all of these allegations together, that there wouldn't be a prosecution today? I don't think there would have been. You know, in this documentary, you even have his wife that he was married to for over 20 years that was just unaware. We, you know, she could state that she was unaware of all of these girls and women. You know, some weren't, we can't just say all girls, some were 17, 18, 19, 20 upwards, but it was specifically women that had had difficulties potentially in childhood or were vulnerable as an adult and had previous violent relationships. So it was vulnerable women that he was targeting and then effectively imprisoning, which is, is what has been said. And that's why some of the charges relate to it. But I mean, even his own wife was unaware of what was going on. So she states. Interesting, because the role of the media in joining up the dots, so to speak, is very interesting and important because, I, you know, it, you think of the Jimmy Savile case and the role that the media played in that. And there's been some controversy this very recently concerning a program or you know, documentary that the BBC are going to be making, I think, with Steve Coogan in the role of um, Jimmy Savile. So there's a um, prompted um, by your wrongly some criticism of the BBC as regards the making of this program. But leaving all of that to one side, it's interesting how these high-profile figures are able to live and get away with things by, as a result of the image that they are able to um, portray 
Also, of course, the media has an important role in exposing the truth, the reality. You know, for me, there's the two, there's that similarity between Kelly and um, abusers that we've had in this country, high profile ones, you know, the role that the media has been able to play in exposing them. Otherwise, we'd have gone on in total ignorance as to as to the truth and the reality. I think that that's absolutely true. And although that is quite a positive sentiment, it's a real shame that the police couldn't piece this all together. Looking back at the instance you've just mentioned, Danielle, you know, if you list them, it's a shame that this couldn't have been this work couldn't have been done sooner without so much media attention and that the media has, in a way, sort of got us to this point, and obviously documentary has got us to this point, it's the police that should really have done this so long ago. Well, I think that's a that's a very good point, because I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, but mm. from what you're telling us, Danielle, about the history of this case, it sounds as though the alarm bell was ringing and ringing and ringing away, and um, no one was home listening. You know, this documentary, if anyone is listening to this podcast and is interested, I would highly recommend that they watch it, is that it just shows even when he was, you know, in his late 20s, there was allegations that he was abusing a 15-year-old star who went on to be famous. And, you know, there, there are rumours that they even married at that age and the documents were falsified. But that's at 27. He's now 54. And so he had effectively a a further lifetime of abusing potentially hundreds of women because, you know, as we always discuss, there'll be a lot of people that won't feel able to come forward Mm. that will have been abused by him. You know, this was the wrapper of the time, you know, people were just falling over themselves to even meet him. You know, even when he was at court on other allegations, there are rounds of young girls stood outside waiting to meet him that just shows his fame and his potential power at that time. Yes, and the sort of corrosive part of, uh, well, all of it's corrosive, of course, but there's a particular corrosive part which isn't really spoken about because it's too difficult, is the fact that in spite of everything, there's still a, a magnetism of some of these characters and that, you know, you'd think everyone, all the potential victims would stay away but somehow or other they get drawn towards that flame they can't they can't resist and Um, that also gives him a platform to escalate his behavior Mm. because he does have as you say that magnetism that celebrity and it unfortunately gives him more of a platform and opportunity to abuse and to abuse worse and objectively you can see it's all part of grooming and manipulation and so on but for others you know, who don't look at this objectively, they say, well, what's the problem? I think as well, if you look at the timeline specifically in this case, there are allegations against him, but he was still, he, he performed at the Super Bowl in 2001, you know, and in America, that's like the holy grail of performances. And you think any women that would have been abused by him before that, or where these allegations have come out, would have definitely believed that they weren't going to be believed because no one previously had been. So it's a it's a really, really awful case, I think. And I'm really pleased now that he has been sentenced. There could be potential further sentences to come because, as I say, there's outstanding cases. But I hope that the media and the police have, have learned from this. Again, we're saying the same thing. Yes. Well, thank you, Danielle, for researching this particular horrific case. And um, thank you to Felina. 
because it is an interesting one and it's timely because there's a tendency, isn't there, for people to say, oh, well, you know, that's all, you know, that's in the past, so to speak, but it isn't. It's, you know, it's a, an omnipresent, to use a big word, for me, issue. So thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, podcast listeners. If you have any concerns or questions about this particular podcast or you have suggestions for the podcast, then please do get in touch with us. We are always pleased to hear from you. Thank you for listening to this episode of HJ Talks About Abuse. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, We'd love to hear from you. Email us at aboutabuse at hjtalks.co.uk.